The meal acknowledges that this podcast was recorded on the unceded land of the Ghana people. We respect their spiritual relationship with their country. We acknowledge the Ghana people as the traditional custodians of the Adelaide region and that their cultural beliefs are important to living Ghana people today. My name's Adele Slusis. I'm the Visual Arts Curator at The Mill, a collaborative multidisciplinary arts organisation based in Adelaide. This is the fourth in a series of podcasts where I will be interviewing the artist-in-residence in The Mill's Exhibition Space Residency Program. Presented in partnership with the City of Adelaide, the program positions artistic process at the fore, allowing audiences direct access to creative research and making. In this podcast, I'll be chatting with members of the Batefridge Collective, Arlen Hall, Adrian Schmidt-Mum, Casper Schmidt-Mum, Dave Court and Emmeline Zanelli, who lives in the same house as some of the others and popped in to introduce herself. This podcast is a really interesting one, as the Batefridge started their residency in the same week that South Australia began more serious restrictions to prevent the spread of COVID-19. The gallery at the mill is now closed to the public and we are all practicing social distancing and staying home as much as possible. The Batefridge have had to rethink their practices, their modes of communication and the way that they develop ideas between the group and also in relationship with audiences. In this podcast, we chat about their project Art Basics and the themes of collective and collaborative practice, process and taking things digital for this residency. and say a little bit about your practice as individual artists. Yeah, so my name is Arlen Hall. I um, probably work in drawing and painting, um, but I have been extending that through sculpture, uh, installation um, and some interactive installation. Um, my name is Kaspar Schmidt-Mum. I'm a pretty multidisciplinary artist, but I work a lot in performance for video and photo. And I come from a painting background, but yeah, I've moved... Same as Arlen moved through sculpture and um, installation. And now I'm interested in social theatre and relational aesthetics of art, so work that's more about the viewer than about the artist. Hi, I'm Adrian. I'm predominantly a musician. I play in the Batefridge band and then also have another band called Slow Mango. And then just also do compositions for videos and, you know, play with other musicians. But in the Bay Fridge, I get to sort of experiment in more visual arts realm of things, costuming and performance. But yeah, predominantly I'm a musician. Uh, my name is Dave Court. I'm an artist, mainly with a background in painting, but also looking at lots of different areas and um, experimenting with technology and public art a lot as well. My name's Emmeline. Um, I've got a background in photography. Uh, I'm really interested in um, all different uh, types of performance for the camera, um, so video and still photography, and, um, uh, yeah, that's what's brought me to the Bait Fridge. So my first question for you guys is about the project Art Basics, which is the exhibition and residency that you were um, going to be developing during your time at the mill. And so just wanted to find out a little bit about what you had planned when we were working on a model where you'd be coming and spending uh, 10 weeks in the gallery 
and how that has shifted because of um, what's happening with uh, the restrictions and social distancing at the moment. I guess we were super excited about getting involved with the residency because it's something that we've probably been wanting to do for a few years. Basically, what we had planned is we wanted to get as many people in a room as possible um, over a long period and make performances, costumes, interact with other artists who we hadn't interacted with before, get other people from you know, the mill and, and really just have like a massive jam. But have get everyone really close together, touching each other's faces. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, obviously, obviously uh, we had to, to change it up. Yeah. I think what, I think a few things we had planned were um, just, yeah, using the mill space. Like I had a big intention to write a score for a small performance and the performer in the breakout theatre room. Obviously, that's had to change, but, you know, we'll just adapt. I'll probably still write a score to a video or something instead now. Or you'll score an entire live workshop. Yeah, or do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the title, Art Basics, um, can you tell us a little bit about where that comes from? To me, it sort of feels like this idea that it's like an entry point, I guess, that this is the basic level of art that anyone can get involved with. But also having spent a little bit of time with you guys and in the workshop on the weekend, understanding that this like really basic entry level of art is also super complex and really flexible. So tell us a little bit about that. I think that like the title Art Basics is kind of, it's almost a bit like a bit of an a, an ironic idea for the Bait Bridge because like, a lot of the people, a lot of the members in the Bait Fridge like to, we like to think that what we're doing is like not necessarily just art or, or definitely um, giving people a new perspective of what art could be. And, and so that's why we, we were interested in, in like teaching art basics because it, we think it, it'd be funny to go, you know, like when you, went, when you go to your first art class, what, what people tell you in your first art class to us would be very different if you came to an art class with the Bakefridge. And so that that's, I guess, one of the things that like really led us to um, come up with the title. I, one of the a good analogy is that we, for a while, we've been like talking about the different tools that the members of the Bakefridge use to um, make art and, um, and, you know, whether we could open a shop where we sell the tools that we use to make art and instead of what you would get at like say premier art supplies or, or any a normal store, you know, giant two meter poles with a pa- paintbrush at the end, like a catapult and um, a can of pilchards or, you know, like, like the, the objects that you use to make work don't have to be paints and, and, um, and textures. They can, you can really expand your world of ideas about what the tools of art making are. And I think that's something that the Baitfridge, we'd love to teach our, our idea of art basics. Do you think that your audience is um, mostly people who haven't gone to art school or is it also artists? Both. But I think that's one of the best things about the Baitfridge is we get to work with a lot of people who aren't artists. And, and you know, we're often in contexts and situations of with people who aren't artists, but we're making art with them. And kind of mimicking what Casper said in terms of like the materials used, some of the most basic materials that we do use end up being the most successful in making. And I think this was definitely shown to us. We did a, a kickstart workshop at the art gallery 
a couple of months ago and basically, yeah, we're doing some, some mask making and we just had all the materials available and we, we didn't need to do too much. Like the, the, they were young kids and they kind of just went for it and we're just in a room making and, and grabbing things that were available to them. Um, and I think that's a really core thing, the bait fridge, getting in, making stuff um, together and using what's available and yeah, having fun. And if we can utilise that kind of energy and confidence that kids have in, in making, that's that's something that we can definitely uh, incorporate with the bait fridge. I think that like one of the most aesthetically beautiful things that the bait fridge does is completely linked with its resourcefulness. I think we have this incredible way of intuitively expressing our resourcefulness. Well, maybe that's a good segue into talking about how this project has therefore shifted now that you're not doing it in the physical space and we're doing it with social distancing, how you guys have been resourceful in changing the way that you see this project. I think, yeah, interests me about the Bay Fridge and my practice as well, I think is like pushing a simple material to the kind of limits and like playing and finding the edges of something and kind of using it in a way that it might not be intended to be used for, whether it's like making a costume out of heaps of one thing or yeah, using things that aren't clothing as clothing. But then we've also used Zoom and tried to push it and use it in ways that it probably wasn't intended to be used for, I think. Mm. Yeah, because we've been forced to use this material and this resource and we've just sort of catered it to how we think, like how we could do it. It's in the same way that we use cardboard to make a set, you know, we are now using Zoom to make a set. I think uh, one of the things that we are as the bait bridge is we're super adaptable. Um, <laughs> and this is just another version of that. And, you know, as soon as we found out that we weren't able to actually physically do it, we're all excited about the new possibilities that could come with this with this platform and that's that's really what the bait fridge has been over the last five years we've been super adaptable with either the people who, who we're collaborating with or, or the environment that we're working in i think it's about yeah just working with what we have like whether that is a certain set of materials that are in the area or if it's somewhere where people are like coming in and joining and you like welcoming in new people who want to do whatever they want to do and people coming in and out and using like particular skill sets of people that join or whatever. I think it's, yeah, being flexible and adaptable and using what there is to make the best and most interesting result. Mm. I think one of the best words that you used is ad, like adaptable, the adaptation of, of how we work. Because I, like, I, I remember the, the moment in when the bait fridge all spoke for the first time and we, we realized what we had to do to kind of, do this residency and do some workshops and have some performances. Um, we really, we were confronted with this idea that we had, we couldn't do it in person, but instead of dwelling on the fact that we couldn't, that we couldn't do something, we actually just used those new parameters to give us a, a new game to play. And I think that's something that's so exciting about the bait fridge. I always say that if anyone who joins in or has, has something to say or wants to do something with the bait fridge, everyone will say yes. And it's just up to that person to, to activate and make that idea exciting and um, uh, yeah, active enough to, for us all to be a part of. Would you guys be able to let us know a little bit about how the Bait Fridge formed um, and a bit of that Genesis story? It's actually pretty funny. I mean, the, 
the f- absolute first bait fridge was essentially it was Henry Jock Walker who'd been asked to do something at the Blenheim Music Festival. And Arlen, Jock and I were in, um, in the same like building together. We all had our studios in there at the time. It was called Fontenelle. And um, we kind of just said, he asked us if we wanted to do something. We said, yeah, let's do something. What do we do? And he was just like, I don't know, just put some stuff in a car and we'll drive there and see what happens. And um, like one of the things he had was like, he turned, he turned an office chair into a catapult um, that we used. Like we all had like a, a few costumes. There was, we, when we got there, we went to um, the local, like it was on this big farm and across the road, there was another farm that had like a, a dump. And so we just went there and we got like filled this ute up with as much stuff as we could. Like, and one of, one of the things was um, an old fridge, like 60s style fridge that had like duct tape on it. And the duct tape spelled out the words, the bait fridge. And we were like, why don't we name it that? And I, I feel like that, that moment is really an analogy for how the bait fridge has evolved. And it's, it's always been this really nonchalant, like free flowing. Do you want to join? You're in. What, what do you want to make? make whatever you like, I'll, we'll help each other and we'll help you to make it. And so we did that for many years at this festival. And since then, people have really started to kind of like our aesthetic and, and see how intuitive and, and playful we can be and want to be a part of that. And, you know, the, the group has fluctuated from like from five people to 15 people and, and more at times, you know, there's, the amount of different disciplines that we've had and the, the amount of different events that we've put on and been a part of, like it's this ever morphing c- cluster of beauty and, and community that I, I can't, you know, I, I almost, I use it as like an energy for the core of my creative capability and, and how I can test the boundaries of my, my, the disciplines I work with work within to really put myself out of my comfort zone and, and throw myself into someone else's idea of art making and, and try to empathize with how they do it. And yeah, I think that that's the, that's the big thing about the bait fridge and how, and what it's always been and what we always try to come back to is, um, Arlen's got his hand up. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, no, spot on, um, Casper. And I, I think a, a really nice thing, um, that happened. So the bait fridge was actually, um, so the family that owned the farm for Blenheim, it was actually the family's uh, bait fridge, so for their fishing. And they'd been chucked in the dump, but um, it was really, really lovely to hear them um, talking about the bait fridge, just this fridge that was like their dad's um, fridge. And now it's kind of come and, and it's extended the life, which the Blenheim Music Festival was such a warm family environment. And I, I think that, has extended through the bait fridge and then seeing the bait fridge, you're like, Oh wow, it's still alive. That's really lovely. And I always liken like a big group bait fridge meetings to like a, a big Christmas. I come from a large family and I remember being young going to Christmas. It would be like huge and you might not have seen a cousin for a year, but you get together and you have fun and you, um, you know, you make stuff and, and, I get that same warmth and feeling with the bait fridge. Um, you know, we might, there might be someone that you haven't seen in three years, but they jump in or a new member comes in and, um, it, it's, it's really lovely, I think to, to and the musical element really, really 
it plays a big part in, um, in how we perform. And then, you know, the elements of theater also take over and, you know, there's, there's just so many different ways that people can jump in and, you know, we've had, we've had liquid light projectors, we've had professional videographers, we've had dancers, musicians, actors, <laughs> anybody who just puts their hand up, they end up being able to pitch in what they do and teach other yeah. people how they do it. And it kept growing from year to year through Blenheim. We, we started off with that stage being a, 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 um, a dirt floor. And then the next year we're like, oh, we'll, we'll get some, uh, we'll get some pallets and make a bit of a stage until like our final year there, we had this full blown stage set up with uh, backstage areas and um, had been like working and meeting once a year at uh, once a week for a year to, to get our performance up. So it really developed through that. Um, yeah. So it was really, really lovely to see it um, yeah. develop. So my next question is just going to be about collaboration. So it's sort of having just spoken about where you started from and how the collaborative process has been a huge part of like what it is to be in the Bay Fridge. I wondered if you could speak a little bit about what that collaborative process looks like for each of you and what working in a collaborative way does for you as a collective and also as individual artists. Speaking from the musicals point of things, I mean, the major part of the Bakefridge music is that it's practically entirely improvised. And that kind of collaboration is um, it's something really rare to find because a lot of music is so, you know, written and you, you, just, you, you play the same songs every gig and blah, blah, blah. So I think that part of collaboration is really exciting for a lot of musicians, including myself. That's one of the reasons I loved it because you just have this, you have no real sense of, of expectation, you just sort of have freedom to play what you want with whoever you want. And that's probably why it's the Baitfridge band and like the musical side of things have been so fun and successful is because every musician secretly wants that, just to be able to go in and play and not really care about having a, you know, put on an amazing show, but you just do put on a good show anyway. I think that's one of the big things about the collaboration is just this freedom to play with, with your practice and with other people's practice. And, you know, you just get to experiment within that collaborative environment a bit. I think the collaboration side is, it's, I reckon Emmeline wrote it, it was the, the central point or the um, mitochondria of the, the, the Bay Fridge. Um, but it's, yeah, it's super important and it's, it's something that Francesco Clementi, um, someone I mean, we've written about him, that his collaborations were about to free himself from the limitations of his own predictability. I think that's that kind of sums up um, for me the Bay Bridge. Like you do become predictable in your own work, but um, at some point. But working with the Bay Bridge, and I just feel so blessed to be able to work with so many different people, and um, you can bring some ideas and and really explore and experiment areas of your of your practice which um, you have been thinking about, or some, or might not have thought was possible by yourself. Um, and then other areas enter in as well. But it, it's super liberating to be working in a big group. Yeah, great. And I think, Casper, when we spoke to the City of Adelaide, you were talking a little bit about how the collaborative process helps you let go of your ego, I guess, and really blend what it means to be an artist with what it means for other people to be artists, that you're all working together. 
I think one of like one of the thir- first things you were talking about in this a little Zoom meeting was um, how other people can join in and how other people interpret art basics and what the basics of art are. And, and I think the, one of the basics of art is the, what are the basics of collaborating? You know, like what does collaboration mean to you and how much of yourself are you willing to give up to the person you're working with? How much of your ego are you willing to, you know, spit out or chew or, or get, you know, dissolve in order to give that person a bit of power and to give them a bit of a voice because, you know, everybody comes to the table of a, of a collaborative body with, with their own history and their own like idea of how masterful they are at something or, um, you know, how, how much history they have in that, in that task. But, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're willing to go outside of their, um, their, collaborative capabilities or their, their comfort zones. And I think like, um, one of the, one of the big things today in the arts is like how curation works in, in collaboration. And then this idea that, you know, there's a person who kind of gets people to collaborate, but then necessarily isn't, that isn't different to that collaboration and you know how that works. Like I, I think at the bait fridge really the, the way I, I see it is that we, we work really project to project and, we all have these different ideas about what we love to do with the bait fridge and why and how and with which demographics and in what space. And, um, and that's, that's one of the big ones is like each of us will kind of bring something to the table and say, Hey guys, look, I've got this thing that we could all explore and we could all um, make together. And then, and then each of us has their own idea of what collaboration means and can kind of, put that on the table with the project that we're proposing. And I, and I like that, like really every, the same way that everybody interprets art differently. Um, everybody interprets collaboration differently. And that's just as much as the heart of the bait fridge is how to explore the actual idea of collaboration and how that works. I think it's kind of interesting thinking about the idea of art basics and people's perception of artists and kind of that in relation to what we're doing, because I think the perception of an artist is usually someone who works by by themselves in a studio, is really skillful at one thing or like works really hard on one thing to be good at it. Where bait fridge is kind of the opposite of that, where it's like lots of people kind of trying things and just doing whatever. And there's no, there is no real structure to it. There is no one artist. Like there's, sometimes there's outcomes, sometimes there's not it's kind of an amorphous thing that is a bit hard to describe mm-hmm. and yeah, just a bit chaos and like kind of the, I think almost the opposite of what a general perception of an artist making art might be. I've got a bit of a curatorial perspective question just based on what you said, Dave, which is if you're working in ways that are so process driven and so collaborative and about relationships and like you say, don't necessarily have outcomes. How do you guys measure the success of your projects? Hmm. Sorry. I don't know, do we? I don't know how we do. I think we just kind of like, we all definitely have our own practices and like that's kind of separate, but not really separate and have our own, I guess, more traditional measures in there. But then the bait fridge is just something that when it coalesces, it happens and it's, it's a fun jam. And then that's kind of it. I don't know. What do you guys think? I, I think that every single per- member of the bait fridge has a different 
form and idea of each project that they've been a part of and their ownership and their excitement for that project, you know, like, like each of us have our own, um, like had, had our own roles in that project and, and each project had its, had its ups and downs. But I mean, essentially you can always tell how, how excited the bait fridge was about a project depending on how much they, how much work they make as a reaction to the major event of it, you know, like, Say for instance, we we did a performance, but perhaps there was a there was a videographer who took heaps of video of that performance. After that performance, perhaps we all separately make little drawings and paintings or video edits, or um, we we put them on different websites, or we apply for, with them to get funding for the next project. Or you know, there's like that that kind of post production post rationalization that happens after a project, and I think the way that that manifests really can, can show how much we each were excited for that event or that thing that we put on. But yeah, it's, it's hard to quantify, I think. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it could just be like the feeling in the moment, like how yeah. it was yeah. feeling the excitement. And then there might not even be that much um, footage or recording of that, but it's still really successful. So it's, I think that's, it's, it's, probably pretty um similar to how the bait fridge works is yeah all these different levels of how we record it i think a very basic and way to measure it is kind of it's like how much mess we make really (laughs) (laughs) that's a good one (laughs) if it's messy we probably uh, we've been successful we've had a good time I think it's really important to reflect on this because so often um, from this organisational perspective, we're looking at things that are um, quantitative to measure success and that doesn't always show how successful a project is. So to be able to reflect on these qualitative uh, experiential outcomes um, and say that you can measure the success of a project by the way it feels in the moment while you're doing it, um, that's really important. So thanks for sharing about that. Uh, So I want to talk about process a little bit more um, and maybe we can get into the more nitty gritty way that you guys work. So just thinking whether you could take us through what a normal project looks like for you and how that process begins, how you instigate it, how you communicate, how it comes together on the day. Should we run through the, like the fringe, fringe club performance? We performed at the closing night of the fringe club. Um, and that was definitely that was a more last COVID. Yeah, it was the day before the whole lockdown, so it was really like a the last hurrah. But it was definitely a, mu- a more musically focused one. We played in the in the Crown and Anchor State Band Room, and there was a band of nine people up there. But um, I think one of the big things about the Bait Fridge is that we you know we stress it constantly about that spontaneity of thing, and just sort of like the energy you get from that spontaneity. And that's a big part of the process, I'd say. Yeah, we had four rehearsals of nine, of a nine-piece band. Um, we all got together and, and made costumes on various days, or some of us even just wore some old Bayfridge costumes and then on the day really put it all together. But um, And a big part of it was sort of a lot of work I did, the, a lot of the process I had with it was trying to reinterpret songs mm-hmm. into a form which could be played either however long you want and with improvisation and with 
up to nine people all playing at the same time, which is a really interesting process in terms of in the musical side of things. Part of the idea of the residency is that our audiences get insight into process. So normally we have you in the gallery space and people can come past and see you working on something. But because we don't have that available to audiences at the moment, I just wanted to get a little bit more information from you guys about what that process does look like. And because it's so different to our other residencies, which have just been solo artists, what process looks like for a collaboration? Yeah, it depends. It really dependent on on the project that we're working on. But normally, I guess for the bait fridge, what it looks like is we've got a project coming up. We figure out what we need to get organised for that. Um, we all get together for a certain number of um, meetings beforehand. So it might be, all right, we've got this project coming up. We need to meet once a week for the three weeks leading up. And we're going to do, like, say, a big costume jam today. So we'll all come in get heaps of materials out and then just start making costumes and like exploring ideas and having, um, you know, a good time with each other. And I, I know um, Casper said this a number of times that, you know, some of the best things that he loves about the Bay Bridge is just that time that we spend making together and getting excited. And then that's where the ideas flourish. Someone will go, Oh, let's use this or like, let's, let's grab that. And um, yeah, we all get excited about it. And, Normally, I think for us, the Bay Fridge, we have ideas that are, that, you know, so big and we want to tap into them and then we might write a, a um, storyboard up or like write some of these ideas down and, or draw them up in a graph um, and they're always pretty interesting as well. And then it comes to the project, whatever that is, and we, we've kind of got to work it out and um, have materials there for other people to enter into that that outcome or that creative process um that we started with yeah Yeah, i I love i love when you said um that we we make graphs (laughs) 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 because like some of the some of the um like we have you know we have meetings and like you know traditionally when you have a board meeting you have minutes but like our minutes you know because the idea of draw, like writing something down on a piece of paper or on a computer, like that's something you can explore creatively too. You can explore the way you write minutes. So we've had, we've had minutes that like people start drawing on a piece of paper, then the, like the pen goes off the page and like you start drawing on the floor and then you start, and then like the, then you start drawing on someone's back and then that becomes a, a costume. So the actually the minutes of the meeting become a costume or, you know, like there's so many, there's so many ways in which we, we document our, our creative process that actually ends up becoming a part of the creative process itself. Or, um, you know, that, I think that that's one of the, like, there's no point where we're like, we're sitting down and we're just doing straight business minutes, graphs, meetings. There's always some, you know, crescendo or moment where we go, yeah, but like, what are we going to do to have fun right now? You know, and then, <laughs> and then we, we, we're all, we're just so, I think the Bayfridge is so adept at um, creating excitement, no matter what situation that we're in, whether it even be, you know, the monetary budgeting of a project's invoicing and that stuff, you know, there's always, even like, if we have a five minute conversation about that, someone would be like, Okay, so like I really want to um, spray lavender into the crowd at this performance, and um, and like, can we put that in the budget? <laughs> you know, 
I think it's um, been really clear to me watching you guys do this, that there's this really nice balance between this absolute freedom and then having this structure that holds it together. So being really open and flexible, but then being able to have a like minute by minute timeline for your Zoom workshop that allows then the participants to take on that freedom and creativity and flexibility. So maybe that leads us into talking a little bit more about the workshop. Something that you mentioned earlier in this conversation was about exploring the materiality of what you're using. And I think, you know, looking at what you did with this workshop, you really explored the materiality of Zoom itself. So maybe you can tell me a little bit about what it is that you found inside Zoom that you can use creatively and how you use that in the workshop. I think the I think the most interesting thing that Zoom does that is unique is the the virtual background straight up, which is yeah, just like a fun digital tool to play with that it can kind of be anything that you want it to be. Like in the chat now, Arlen's got it on one setting, Caspi's got it on another setting, and it makes a totally like different effect um, and a different look. And that can kind of be applied and experimented with and pushed in so many different ways, um, just as like that as a technique or a material. And then I think it's just the the crazy, insane, magical idea of having everyone connected through the internet in instantaneous communication um, and being able to have everyone comfortable in their own in their own little space and their own world with everything that they know and being able to say, use use your stuff to make something like make something with us but you're with us but you're also comfortable in your own house and your own space and can use your things that you're familiar with to make something new and i think um like using zoom for us really links into that art basics theme because we as a bait bridge it's it's all new to us this zoom this this material um that we're using or this platform we're using is it's very new to us. So we're having to learn the basics of it. Um, and then as Dave said before, pushing those basics and seeing how you can extend and and um, explore new ways of, of playing with that. Yeah. And I think that the other thing that you briefly touched on there as well is that it's so wonderful that people are able to participate from their own homes. I think it opens this experience up to a whole heap of people that might it might not have been available to before. As a parent, it was really great to be able to do the workshop from home with my kids there as well. And I know, I think there was someone from Wyala who joined in on the workshop as well. So they wouldn't have been able to come. I guess um, that sort of brings me to think about this residency has been funded by the city of Adelaide. And we've always tried to, with the residencies, have this focus on the community of the city of Adelaide and the people who, I guess, walk past the mill or use the mill or that sort of thing. And it's been very much about the physical space. Now that we've shifted into this online space, what's important isn't the physical space, but the community and the relationships and really the space, I guess, the community of the city of Adelaide has expanded to be much larger than the physical space of the city of Adelaide. Um, I don't think there was a question in there. That was just a reflection. I think I have a reflection off the back of that reflection. I mean, thinking a bit about this, like the whole thing that this, yeah, like it is a crazy that um, 
in this, yeah, the whole isolation thing and this, the whole idea of um, just it, connection over the internet has kind of democratised consumption of art and creative output, like musicians putting on gigs where it's not, it's no, never going to be a substitution for an actual live gig or like a replacement. But if it's the best that we have at this point, some like the best artist in the world can put on a gig and it's got infinite capacity and anyone, everyone in the world can come and watch it and everyone's on the same level and consuming the same thing at the same time. And I think that's kind of interesting and kind of like as, as this technology improves, is it going to, I guess that connects into a bigger conversation about globalization and I don't know, dropping of physical barriers for connection and all of that sort of thing. But yeah, I'm kind of, I'm very interested to see what happens there in terms of like artistic collaboration and consumption as well. Yeah, I think there's a real shift in um in access uh because of being able to use platforms like Zoom. I guess we still have to acknowledge the fact that some people don't have access to the technologies that we're using and um, that's another barrier Mm. that we need to consider when we're doing these sort of things. But, yeah, there's a whole heap of people that are now able to access things because they can do it from their own homes that weren't able to before. So, yeah. I think, like, for me, a reflection on the reflection on the reflection. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think it's really... uh, comforting to know I guess for us as the Bay Bridge that we're still able to collaborate even though we can't be in the same room as each other um and that kind of gives me a bit of hope for for us moving forward as a collective in whatever capacity that is that you know we can link up and and touch base and and collaborate wherever we are or or whatever we're doing it's it's something that's lasted lasted five years so far and um, hopefully it can be something that can continue on in whatever capacity that is. Would each of you like to talk a little bit about your favourite thing from the workshop? I think for me, and it comes back to what I said before, it was just the feeling, like that feeling that I had and it was people getting connected and it was just it was just like uh, workshops that we do in real life. It was it just felt really great that people were able, were able to have fun and, and make some incredible stuff. Like some of the participants made some really interesting things which I'm keen to to look back into and, and maybe, you know, do some drawings or something of or, or make some other costumes from. So it's more the feeling, I think, that I, I, I take away from it. Casper? Um, one of the biggest things for me, especially when working on, you know, uh, like web-based platforms for communication is breaking down the barriers of um, feeling like you need to be talking or feeling like you need to be you know, completely present and listening the whole time. Like I think one of the really, one of my favorite parts of the workshop was actually like the end, like the actual end when everyone was logging off and everyone was just dancing and doing their own thing in their room and not, and no one was, no one was intentionally communicating. Do you know what I mean? It was more like we were just hanging, hanging out. out. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, I really like, I, I, I always have wanted to figure out how I, how I can perceive Skype and Zoom and FaceTime and all, all of those programs. Like, cause I, I have, I've had a longer distance relationship for a while now. And I, I really, I like the idea that you can be on these programs and not have to 
have to be talking. You can, it's the same as when you're hanging out with someone else in a room and they're doing a drawing and you're reading a book, you know, you don't need to, you don't need to be talking to each other to be communicating. And I think that's a huge thing and has always been for me in my life is I don't actually like my communication with people. I feel more comfortable when I'm making things with people than when I'm talking to them. Do you know what I mean? And that for me is, is one of the moments that I loved about the workshop was when it, it was unsaid th- that we were communicating, you know, like the, when we were all making, but no one was talking. It was just people communicating via what they were doing on their screens. And, and yeah. Adrian? Um, yeah, I think for me, my favorite part of it was just that audience, it's audience participation thing. It's always so good in the bait fridge being part of it and then seeing people who aren't part of it get involved and be just as successful at what they're doing as, as we are. And, you know, it's just that, to me, it's that fundamental idea of the art basics, you know, we can do it, you can do it. And that's exactly what happened in the workshop. And that, that felt really great. And Dave? Yeah, I think it was <clears throat> like, kind of like Hasper was saying, just watching, watching things be made, like, and having the time restrictions of the workshop, doing the demonstration and then saying, all right, now you have six minutes to do this and just watching like 10 cubby houses get built in yeah. five minutes time and being like, where did this come from? Like just watching that explosion of things happen and just appear in the world. I reckon my favorite thing was just the integration between making and the music that you guys pulled together and yeah, just the, the flow, I guess, and the feeling of the workshop was really nice to be able to learn a thing, take an instruction, spend a few minutes doing it and then learn another thing and, and build on that. Do you guys want to talk a tiny little bit about the online catalogue? I think the, the online catalogue, the idea kind of changed when, yeah, the whole workshop obviously changed. But it's essentially us collaborating with the in-house design team at the mill, small room, in creating a what was going to be a print catalogue, but we're now going to do a online, more of a website-style thing. And in that way, it's really exciting because it's sort of congruent with the rest of how this um, residency has turned out in trying to adapt everything to the online world. And we got our first draft back just the other day and it's looking fantastic. But as you're saying, Adi, um, it's more of a process, uh, <laughs> an evolving process, this online catalogue, which is really nice because it links up with the bait bridge so seamlessly. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I think Small Room really kind of get what we're going for a bit, which is great. And our, our catalogue essays are always pretty wacky. You know, it's just another, it's another thing that we can creatively explore to um, reevaluate what art basics are. What are the basic ideas of a catalogue for a residency or an exhibition? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we're having just as much fun with that as, as we would with any workshop or process that, of art making that we usually have. Thanks to the Beatties for being part of the Mills Exhibition Space Residency. The Exhibition Space Residency program is presented in partnership with City of Adelaide. Original music, podcast recording and editing by Simon Cohen.